Hey guys, what's going on? You are listening to the Black and Saintly Podcast. Here, I'm sharing my personal experience. My name is Kenny Green. And I'm sharing my personal experiences as an African-American member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I have a lot of interesting things to share, a lot of interesting perspectives I feel that I can add to the conversation. So sit back, relax, make sure that you tell your friends, send this on around to social media. If you have a gumption to help this program out, you can join our Patreon community. Links are always in the podcast below. We also um, invite you guys to visit our website at www.black-saintly.com. You can visit us there and connect with us. We also have our podcast archives there. We have our vlog there. We have a lot of stuff there going on. So y'all make sure that you stop on by and check us out. So anyways, let's get into the podcast. So um, I joined the church in 1998. In October of 1998, I grew up. Um, I'm African American in real life. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about um, doing the museum for African American, uh, uh, the priesthood restriction and the history of African Americans in our church because that's my heritage. I grew up African American. I did not grow up in the church. I grew up in the Pentecostal religion. Um, I uh, joined my uncle's church at the age of eight and I preached my first sermon at the age of 12. I became a youth pastor in my teen years. I actually was ordained a youth pastor and um, served as the youth pastor of my uncle's church and um, preached and did all of that. Um, I met the missionaries on my job. We had a set of about 30 missionaries that volunteered at the food bank of the Rockies here in Denver, Colorado, which is a massive food bank. And I was a shipping area assistant manager at the time. And missionaries loved to work in our area because you got to drive, like you got to push around pile jacks and carts. And I mean, it was more movement than just like washing cans and things like other areas. And so we had a lot of missionaries that worked in our area. And I met them, and I told them, I'm going to convert you guys. I'm going to baptize you guys and make you guys Pentecostal. (laughs) Little did I know that they would change my life forever. I heard the message of the gospel from them every week for over a year. I didn't pay heed to it. They kept giving me Book of Mormons. I'd leave them on the bus. I'd throw them away. My uncle barbecued one when he found one, because I lived with my uncle and my aunt at the time, who were my pastors. Um... But one day, my friend Eddie gave me the Book of Mormon. He was Elder Montalvo at the time. And he said, just read it once and pray about it. And if you don't get anything from it, we'll never bother you about the church again. And I was like, bet. Like, that's that's a bet. Because I'm tired of y'all every week talking to me about the church. And so I took it home, and I prayed, and I read it. And I woke up that night with this hunger for the Book of Mormon. It was a supernatural hunger. Um, it was like I had a huge hunger for the Bible all my life, and I had that same hunger 
with the Book of Mormon. I had to know more. I had to keep turning the pages. I had to keep reading. I had to keep reading. And I knew that the Book of Mormon was true. And I called him. And I said, Elder Montalvo, this book is true. I need to know more about it. And he set up a uh, time to meet with him. Um, he was actually a Spanish missionary. So he technically wasn't supposed to be talking to me. But um, the English missionary of our area, it would be one of his, it would be Elder Montalvo and the English missionary. And we sat down in a subway and we were only supposed to do one discussion. This is the time where there were six discussions. And we ended up doing all six. We sat at the subway for over eight hours because I didn't want to let them go. And every time I would learn something, I wanted to learn more and learn more and learn more. They asked me if I wanted to be baptized. And I said, yeah. And they said, okay, well, we can baptize you next Sunday. And this was a Saturday, mind you. This, I found out the Book of Mormon was true early in the morning of Thursday. I met with them on Saturday. And they said, well, we can baptize you next Sunday. And I said, well, tomorrow is Sunday. Y'all can't baptize me tomorrow? And they looked at each other like, this is impossible. But they got on the phone. Um... I knew all the missionaries in the Denver metro area, pretty much, and the zone leaders, like, raced from across town, like, an hour drive, raced across town to uh, meet me and do the baptism interview in the back seat of their car, because so I had my baptism interview with the zone leaders in the back seat of the car, and um, that Sunday, I went to my uncle's church, um, I attended my uncle's church. But um, that evening, I was baptized, and the only people that were there were the bishop, uh, one set of ward missionaries who became like my church parents, and a whole bunch of missionaries, like 40 missionaries, um, at my baptism, I was baptized. And then I was thrown out of my uncle's house the very next day, um, because I had joined the church. The one thing that has sustained me over all of the years of my membership in the church, I would have to say is prayer. And that's what I want to talk about today, is prayer. Um, I have gone through a lot in my life. I've endured a lot in my life. Um, I've had physical affliction since the day that I was born. I was born with defects and afflictions. Um, with my endocrine system not working, and a whole bunch of things that have come through life after that. Um, you know, diabetes, congestive heart failure, kidney failure. Um, I've fought and beaten um, kidney and thyroid cancer three times. Um, it started in my thyroid metastasized all the way to the kidney. But I've fought and beaten it three times. And even though I've had plenty of hospital stays, and even though I've gone through so much in my life, prayer is the thing that sustained me. Um, talking to my Heavenly Father. And so I wanted to share with you guys um, some notes that I took over my time with about prayer. Um, Moroni 7 verse 9 says, and likewise, also, it is counted evil unto a man if he shall pray, and not with real intent of heart, yea, and it profiteth him nothing, for God receiveth none such. Later in the same chapter, in verse 48, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, 
Pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath, which he hath bestowed upon all who are true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified, even as he is pure. Prayer is so important to our spiritual life. And especially right now, as we endure this trial in the world, prayer and scripture study, I think, are should be the cornerstone of every human's existence right now. They go hand in hand. Prayer allows us to speak to our Father in Heaven. And a lot of times, He does respond through revelation. He does respond through promptings in our spirit. But many times, He answers through His Word, through prayer, I mean through the, through the Scriptures. So I believe that those two things are should be the hallmark of our lives right now. A lot of us have to stay home and be quarantined and um, don't can't work. Um, there's a lot of empty hours. And I, I would suggest prayer and scripture study are huge, huge ways that you can fill the time, the time gap that we have right now. But I think that it's important that we just don't pray amiss, that we don't pray just to be praying. We don't um, I know a lot of times we grow up and we're taught in the church that we should pray in the morning, pray at night, have uh, family prayer, and a lot of times it becomes um, routine. It becomes um, something that you do out of obligation or routine, something that you're just you just used to getting up and praying. I've done that before. There's been times where I've gotten up and prayed and, um, or getting ready to go to sleep and prayed and just doing it just because it's routine or doing it because I feel like I'm supposed to, but not really being intent on the prayer. And it's important that verse in Moroni, the first one I read, that we pray with real intent, that when we pray, that we really take the time to, to be careful, to really talk to our Heavenly Father. It doesn't have to be a long and elaborate prayer, but just being honest and being sincere and being serious about what we're praying about is important. Um, on the Gospel Topics page on prayer on the LDS website, I love this quote because I never understood why in church we always use words like thee, thou, thy, Thine and things like that, and this page actually explained it to me, and I really loved it. It says, "Use language that shows love, respect, reverence, and closeness." The application of this principle will vary according to different languages. If we pray in English, for example, we should use the pronouns of the scriptures when we address God: "Thee, Thou, Thy, and Thine," rather than more common pronouns: "You, Yours, and Your." Regardless of the language, the principle remains the same. When we pray, we should use words that appropriately convey a loving, worshipful relationship with God. So, it doesn't have to be an elaborate prayer. It doesn't have to have a certain length. But we should definitely, when we pray, 
we should give respect to God. Why, how often should we pray? And I take this answer from Alma chapter 37, verse 36 and 37. It says, Yea, and cry unto God for all thy support. Yea, let all thy doings be unto the Lord. And whithersoever thou goest, let it be in the Lord. Yea, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. Yea, let the affliction, the affections of thy heart be placed upon the Lord forever. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings, and he will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down in night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou rises in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. And if you do these things, ye shall be lifted up at the last day. So, it's important when we rise and when we go to sleep that we remember God and that we pray. But not just then, let all of our, let all of our counsel be unto the Lord. Let all of our decisions that we make, all of the things that we're getting ready to do, we should do them unto the Lord, and we shall consult and counsel with the Lord. It's important that we do these things in everything that we do. So, it's always appropriate to pray. It's always appropriate to pray. Um, Doctrine and Covenants 19 verse 28 says, And again, I commend thee, that thou shalt pray vocally as well as in thy heart, yea, before the world as well as in secret, in public as well as in private. I love that, um, because I never understood why there was such an emphasis on praying aloud. And Doctrine and Covenants explained it. Um, it's, it's okay to pray in your heart and pray silently. Those prayers are still listened to. Those prayers are still answered. Those prayers are still every much valid but if you can pray vocally and i think that it just adds to the seriousness it adds to our sincerity um in the topic guide for prayer it says prayer is a two-way communication as we close our prayers we should take time to pause and listen at times heavenly father will counsel guide or comfort us while we're on our knees we should never give up, give in to the idea that we're not worthy to pray. This idea comes from Satan, who wants to convince us that we must not pray. If we do not feel like praying, we should pray until we do feel like praying. <laughs> and I love that, because there are times, sometimes you wake up and you don't feel like it, or you're going through a rough day and you don't feel like it, you don't want to pray, but we should pray. The church tells us that we should pray. And I, it's almost comical to me that it says, pray until you feel like praying. <laughs> I love that. Uh, we, we don't just pray, though. I want to end my talk by encouraging us to be prepared to act. Um, prayer and action. Prayer and faith go along with each other. Faith is an action word. Um, in this talk by Elder David A. Bednar, um, and talks about asking in faith, and I think it is appropriate because we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of the first vision that I read this. It says, the classic example of asking in faith 
is Joseph Smith in the first vision. As young as Joseph was, seeking to know the truth about religion, he read the following verses in the first chapter of James. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Please notice the requirement to ask in faith, which I understand to mean the necessity to not only express to do, but the dual obligation to both plead and to perform. The requirement is to communicate and to act. Pondering the biblical text led Joseph to retire to a grove of trees near his home to pray and seek spiritual knowledge. Note the questions that guided Joseph's thinking and supplicating. In the midst of the world words and tumult of opinions, I often said to myself, what is to be done? Who of all these parties are right? Or are they all wrong altogether? If any one of them be right, which is it? And how shall I know it? My object in going to the inquirer of the Lord was to know which of all the sects was right, that I may know which to join. Joseph's questions focused not only just on what he needed to know, but also what was to be done. His prayer was not simply, which church is right? His question was, which church should I join? Joseph went to the grove to ask in faith, and he was determined to ask. I've long been impressed with the truth and meaningful prayer requires both communication and consecrated work. Blessings require some effort on our part before we obtain them, and prayer, as a form of work, is an appointed means for obtaining the highest of all blessings. We press forward and persevere in the consecrated work of prayer, after we say Amen, by acting upon the things we have expressed to Heavenly Father. Asking of faith requires honesty, effort, commitment, and persistence. I thank you guys so much for listening to this talk. It's not just about asking our Heavenly Father for things, but it's also being prepared to act. We must always be prepared to act because our Heavenly Father will tell us what to do. Our Heavenly Father will communicate with us via revelation, impressions in our in our minds, impressions in our hearts, um, through the scriptures, through others. Heavenly Father always reaches back from heaven. Prayer is not a one-way communication. We don't just talk to our Father in heaven, but our Father in heaven talks to us. I bear you my testimony that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. I know that 200 years ago that he knelt in a grove of trees and inquired of the Lord and received that answer from the Lord and the vision of our Father and his precious Son. I bear you my testimony of the Book of Mormon and his Word of God. And man can grow close to God by reading it. And I encourage you all to read it during these troubling and trying times. I bear you testimony of our modern day prophet, President Nelson, a heart surgeon, who I believe was called at this time to work on our hearts and to work on the church's hearts and the hearts of the world. I bear you my testimony that this is the church of Jesus Christ upon the face of the earth. And I love you all, and I thank you all for listening to me. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Mm -hmm.